0: Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications. My name is Peter Rowlett. This is episode 46. 46 is the number of human chromosomes. This week on the podcast we hear from Professor Frank Kelly, Master of Christ College, Cambridge, talking about his career. Uh, This, as with episode 44... Uh, This recording was made live during the panel discussion at the Young Researchers in Mathematics 2009 conference at the University of Cambridge.
1: Right, so I I did my first degree in maths at Durham University and I wasn't sure, I knew I wanted to do a PhD but I'd gone there a year early and uh, wasn't sure whether I wanted to do it in um, logic and topology or wanted to do it in the sort of uh, statistics operational research type area which I found fascinating but which I... I wasn't quite sure whether it really was that applicable in the real world and I thought I'd uh, solve the problem of being younger than my age group by spending uh, a year or two out. And and so I worked for a um, a consultancy that's, uh, that's now become Logica. So it was a big consultancy in the management, computer consultancy area. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. Really, really, it was great fun. And it convinced me that that was the area I wanted to do the PhD in, the sort of modelling of networks. They were just beginning to be computer networks. So I did part three. I came here to do part three in the early 70s. And then I did a PhD with Peter Whittle in the statistical laboratory in, in, in Cambridge. And I, throughout that time, I carried on doing uh, small amounts of consulting work with uh, the company that I worked for. And at every plan to go back to that company... And it wasn't until about 20 or 30 years later I realized that this was, a, this was never going to happen. I, t- I kept putting it off because I thought, oh, I've got a... Uh, you know, this is really interesting, this problem I'm working on. I'll stay in academia for a bit longer until uh, a few years ago I realized, hang on, I'm not going to go back. Um, the, uh, I did my PhD then in uh, what turned out to be uh, early stages of the modeling of uh, communication computer networks, the queuing networks, the network flow aspects concerned with that. And that's the area that I've had my academic career in. Um, I found that really fascinating. It's something where there are challenging new mathematical questions, but where if you make progress with them, there are rather immediate consequences for things like the design of computer systems or the design of the Internet or or wireless networks now. Uh, These things uh, rely for their operation on a quite sophisticated analytical understanding of how large-scale systems operate. Um, you can design bits of code, like the molecules of a system. You can design that, you have to write the code to do it. But how the system as a whole behaves is like trying to understand how you know the gas in the room behaves. Understanding very, in very precise detail how a single molecule moves isn't really the level of description you want to know if you want to understand, say, the relationship between pressure and temperature and volume, which look as if they're defined at that microscopic level. And the challenge in the, in the modelling of these large-scale computer networks is trying to understand uh, how to deduce the macroscopic consequences of the uh, microscopic decisions you make when you write routine code or this, that, and the other. So while I was... Um, uh, so I became then a research fellow and then a, 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 a UTO within the university. And... Um, I also, one of the areas that I was working on uh, with students here and with people in uh, British Telecom's labs at Martlesham was routing in telephone networks and that was something where the group of us, uh, quite a large group of people in Cambridge and at Martlesham, had quite a lot of success. We we worked out a way to do very simple decentralised routing algorithms in the telephone network which got implemented in BT's network and in several other networks around the world. And that I found hugely um, kind of stimulating and rewarding. I mean, it was just great fun to have. It was like, it was like someone had given you this massive train set to play with. Uh, uh, you know, and you could, uh, you could... They wouldn't let you just change the algorithm. So what happened was that, uh, we, that we knew the algorithm would work well, the analysis, the small-scale simulations and everything said it would... You couldn't do a large scale simulation. Essentially, even in those days of the mid-80s, the telephone network was the largest computer by far that we'd ever built. You couldn't simulate it. Uh, you could simulate very, very uh, cut-down models of it. Uh, but, and uh, the, the, the management were not very keen on implementing a new routing algorithm because, well, you know, it might go wrong. Uh, and then luckily uh, something dramatic happened. Uh, a J.C. B digger uh, near the M1 cut through two of the four north-south optical fibres, and the chaos that was produced for the next few days made the, 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 the make British Telecom say, "What could we have done to avoid this?" And the research labs were ready with their plan. You just have, have to turn this on. It's actually in the software. You just have to throw the switch to to, to turn it on. And they said, "We'll take the risk." And it, they turned it on. It worked. And that was. Uh, I must say, uh, one of the most sort of stimulating experiences of, uh, uh, of things. The, the, the academic work leading up to it, the whole effort of uh, implementing it, and then the, uh, the kind of business decision to turn it on. Um, I guess I uh, got then extremely interested in, th- in the internet, which was, was uh, in academia we understood, we knew a bit about it, we used it for email. And I can remember three successive years visiting people at their labs when uh, Debasis Mitra, the head of maths there, that asked him, "Are you interested in the internet?" And the first year he said, "No." The second year he said, "Not yet." And the third year he said, "It's it's the only thing we're working on." <laughs> so that was, that was the speed of the transition of the well, interest. That? Uh, so when was that? Um, I guess that must have been. Um, just around the mid-80s, the, the, the browsers had just begun. Uh, so c- people here were using Gopher and uh, Weiss, Wide Area Information Systems. So the the, WW, the web had, was just that, that period. So when was that? 84, 85, 92? you 94? Is it, was it? Am I am I, not, I am. That, you're right. I'm that far out. I'm a decade out. 94, 94, 94, 95. That's right. That period. So, uh, so Tim Berners-Lee was doing this stuff in the early 90s. Right. Right. So it was 94, 95. Like that. Um, and so uh, that was the next thing. Well, one of the things I've always been interested in is the application of mathematics to things in the real world. And uh, models of queues and network flow come up in lots of places. And one of the opportunities I had was to, towards the when was it? Uh, uh, I went, I had sabbatical here and there. I had a very interesting year sabbatical in Stanford. Uh, much concerned with things concerned with the Internet. But after I came back from that, I had a phone call from a set of headhunters who said, would you like to come and be a chief scientific advisor at the Department of Transport? And I said, but I don't know anything about bridges or concrete or motorways. Surely you've got the wrong Kelly. There is a Professor Kelly in the university here who knows all about these things. Surely you must mean that person. And they said, oh, no, 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 you know about queues and networks, and we've got lots and lots of congestion. (laughs) (laughs) Come and work with us. So I thought, oh well, all right. This this sounds interesting. This sounds challenging. So, I, so I had three years where I had half-time leave from the university. The university very kindly gave me half-time leave to uh, to be chief scientific advisor there. And that was that. That too was just huge fun. I must say, it was uh, extremely interesting to see the high-level political decisions that were being made about this or that or the other, uh, and the interaction of. Uh, modeling issues, data, um, detailed, sophisticated analytical insight into an issue with what the headline in the Daily Mail would be about uh, you know, speed cameras on the, on the M1 or, uh, or whatever. Uh, I mean, if you think, for example, of a transport system, then if you want to add uh, capacity to a rail link or to build a new road, the consequences of that are quite tricky to work out. Uh, it's naive to think that all that will happen is the people travelling on that road will get a better performance because the major effect of adding capacity is not to the link you add capacity to. The major effect in a congested network is to the changes that are made in the journeys that are made by other people. Uh, and uh, attempting to understand that uh, involves a very large-scale interaction of economists, uh, computer scientists modelers of one type or another, and that kind of infrastructure underlies quite a lot of investment decisions in transport. Um, there are many other things. As Chief Scientific Advisor, uh, it crossed uh, the various contacts with the Hadley Centre and with the, the, the group that the Vicky were in, concerned with climate change, uh, there, were, there were issues concerned with biofuels, the impact of them. Uh, I, I've learned a huge amount about atmospheric chemistry, the impact of emissions <coughs> at a high level in the altitude. And at first sight, I thought, I, I don't know any chemistry. Surely, I, this isn't, I'm not the right person. But in fact, it's quite interesting that a mathematical background allows you the the basic analytical tools to work in many areas of science or social science or market research even, you know, just understanding the, the impact of advertising campaigns on... Uh, you, you can change perceptions, you can change a culture of a society with advertising campaigns. If you think, for example, of the impact of advertising on drink driving, on seat belt wearing, and now the beginning of the impact on speeding in, in cities, um, then it is possible to change a culture. It takes time, it takes investment in various forms of communication... But just try to understand what the, the, the market analysis is telling you, what the numbers are telling you. Uh, I was struck as chief scientific advisor that almost everything across all sorts of levels of high-level decision-making involve simple analytical modelling. And we can, you can, as a, as a sort of um, uh, a research mathematician, you can say, oh, that's very simple, it's what you do at A-level or in the first year or two at university – but actually, to be able to do it day after day in one application area after another, you, you, have, to, you have to have a facility at it. You have, to be, you have to be ready to say to people, well, this very simple way of doing it is what you should do. Because I know the next most complicated thing you could do, and that isn't right. Uh, uh, just knowing that the next most complicated thing isn't necessary, uh, the confidence to say that is something that a mathematical background, I think, gives you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. As I said, the recording was made live during a panel discussion at the Young Researchers in Mathematics Conference. You can find out more about uh, that group. I'll put a link in the show notes. And you can watch the whole panel discussion, including an extended question and answer session uh, on where has maths taken you. You can find out more about the podcast. Get that link in the show notes. Uh, and show notes relating to each episode, and uh, become a fan of the podcast on Facebook by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk You can find out more about what I do for the IMA by following me on Twitter, where I'm Peter Rowlett, R-A-W-L-E-T-T. Thank you for listening.